Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. What RoadSync does is we are a platform for digitizing the payments that are really common in the trucking industry. So if you are a truck driver, you have to pay for all sorts of things to complete your loads. Basically, every delivery you have is a business trip. And you might have to pay for things like fuel, a repair, tow. You might have to pay to have your vehicle unloaded at a warehouse. And unlike for consumer payments, a lot of these payments are being made in some sort of paper form, maybe something called a fleet check, which is an industry-specific payment form. They still use cash. And it's just really cumbersome for truckers to pay for things that are related to their business trips. So what we do is we enable payment acceptance for the various vendors outside of fuel who support the trucking industry, things like warehouses, heavy truck repair, tow maintenance shops, truck washes, parking, you name it. And we make it easy for them to real-time invoice and accept payments from truckers and then allow truckers to provide visibility into those expenses for their employers, which will be their carriers and brokers. That was Robin Gregg, the CEO of RoadSync, and she is our special guest on this episode, episode 133 of the Leaders in Payments podcast. And I'm your host, Greg Myers, a West Virginia native, and Harvard graduate with a 15-year payments career, Robin Gregg is the CEO of Atlanta-based RoadSync. RoadSync caters specifically to the transportation industry to enable payments acceptance. According to Robin, the trucking industry is extremely fragmented, and as a result, it has been slow to digitize. The demand for real-time payments is a huge necessity to the business model, and thanks to platforms like RoadSync, this is finally becoming a reality. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Hi, Robin. Thank you for being here and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast. Thank you for having me. So let's dive right in. If you don't mind, tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, where you currently live, a few things like that. And we'll dive into your professional background in a few minutes. Okay. Sounds great. I'm based in Atlanta. I originally grew up in West Virginia. Actually, interesting fact, my dad worked for the Appalachian Trail with the National Park Service for years. And so I grew up 20 minutes away from the midpoint of the Appalachian Trail, which is near Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. Went to school at Washington Lee, got my MBA at Harvard Business School, have two really fun boys that keep me active in Atlanta and love to do things like kayak and yoga with them. So really been fun. I've been living in Atlanta for about 12 years. So that's definitely become my home. Don't meet many people from West Virginia. And ironically, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and my grandparents lived in Morgantown, West Virginia. So I spent a lot of my childhood summers in West Virginia. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't really meet that many people who've spent that much time in West Virginia either, except for maybe like rafting the New River Gorge or something like that. Right. Right. Well, welcome to the show. Let's dive into the company. Let's talk about RoadSync. So tell the audience what RoadSync does. What RoadSync does is we are a platform for digitizing the payments that are really common in the trucking industry. So if you are a truck driver, you have to pay for all sorts of things to complete your loads. Basically, every delivery you have is a business trip. And you might have to pay for things like fuel, a repair, tow. You might have to pay to have your vehicle unloaded at a warehouse. 
And unlike for consumer payments, a lot of these payments are being made in some sort of paper form, maybe something called a fleet check, which is an industry-specific payment form. They still use cash. And it's just really cumbersome for truckers to pay for things that are related to their business trips. So what we do is we enable payment acceptance for the various vendors outside of fuel who support the trucking industry, things like warehouses, heavy truck repair, tow maintenance shops, truck washes, parking, you name it. And we make it easy for them to real-time invoice and accept payments from truckers and then allow truckers to provide visibility into those expenses for their employers, which will be their carriers and brokers. So that was what we do. We are partnered with some of the major fuel card companies. So we are partnered with both Wex and Fleecor to accept their proprietary fuel card and fleet check products and are really able to offer a really unique payment acceptance experience for people in the trucking industry. Okay. And how big is the company? Just under 100 people today based here in Atlanta, which has been fantastic. I'm really familiar with the space because I've had a 15-year career in payments. Started my career at Capital One, ended up working for a company called Revolution Money, which was an alternative payments network that we sold to Amex in 2010. And then I got involved in sort of the transportation world by way of joining Fleetcore, which at the time was a private equity-backed company pre-IPO. Had a seven-year career there, really got to see a lot about how B2B payments work and quite frankly, just some of the financial solutions that are being used by people in the transportation industry. And was really excited in 2017 to be able to advise and then eventually take over very, very early stage startup here in Atlanta that was focused on automating transportation-related payments. So that's actually how I ended up. I was the absolute original founder of the company, but we were five people, pre-revenue, just a pilot product when I took over the company in 2017 and have been able to grow it from those five people back in 2017 all the way to right around 90, 95 people today. And how do you go to market? Do you have a direct sales team or do you go through partnerships or a little bit of both? Yeah, a little bit of both. Candidly, most of our sales today are direct. So we have a fairly significant sales organization that's focused on acquiring vendors to be part of our ecosystem. Um, and they're the ones who pay for the product. So we're working on enrolling those folks. So, you know, team of BDRs and AEs here in Atlanta. But we also are very excited about some of our partnerships that are going on right now that will allow people to use our payment rails and integrate it into their own platforms. So things like repair shop software platforms, or we do have some customers that have their own internal workflow management tools that they use at their warehouse facilities, for example, and they've integrated us via API into their platform and use our payment rails. We are willing to go to market either way and think there's a lot of potential in the partnership route. And is it purely a SaaS model or are you also taking part of the transaction? Both. The way to think about the revenue model is pretty similar to what Square does. We also charge platform fees, but the vast majority of our revenue is dependent upon taking a cut of the transactions that process through our system. That's the bulk. That also means people have to use us and we really think hard about making sure there's a great experience and that there's heavy utilization of our tools and they work for our customers because if they're not using our system, we're not getting paid. Right. You mentioned an interesting word, ecosystem. So how much of what you do is trying to convince the actual truckers to use your product versus the people who are accepting the payments? What's nice is it's very similar to how we as consumers really don't care if a merchant is using Square. We might have a slightly different payment experience if a merchant's using Square. Maybe we'll get a digital receipt or we can use Cash App. 
we may be aware of the fact that Square is being used. But if you want to be old school and just hand over your card, you don't really care. The transaction can go through anyway. And that's really how we've conceived of our product. The trekking industry is extremely fragmented. I won't necessarily call them resistant to change, but they're busy. They've been slow to digitize, especially in certain areas. And expecting everyone to download an app was just not going to work, in our opinion. So the way we design our product is so that it always works. And the trucker can have a better user experience if he uses our app and if he downloads our solution and sets up an account, but he can use it regardless. How did the pandemic affect your business? We were very fortunate that we had raised and closed on our Series A right before the pandemic. I think we may have gotten our last check February 28th or something. And so we're very lucky in terms of timing. Originally, what we found was that customers sort of put a hold on adoption of new tools because they just didn't know what the new world was going to look like. And so we saw a little bit of a slowdown in our business, at least from a sales standpoint, for a few months. But the transportation industry has just been extremely busy in this time period. And volume on existing customers and then eventually sales have completely picked up. And I think what's interesting is that people have become more interested in contact-free payments and mobile payments in light of what's going on with the pandemic. I mean, that really put a huge push in places like restaurants. And we saw a similar thing. Most of our customers actually moved to something that we call remote checkout, where it's basically a contactless transaction. And a lot of that was because of COVID. It changed basically overnight. And we think some of those trends are definitely going to stay, just put into place something faster that we think was going to happen anyway. But COVID definitely was a motivator. I'm not overly familiar with the transportation industry or truckers per se. So when they actually show up to deliver a product, are they oftentimes asked to pay on the spot? Yeah, because the industry is so fragmented. If you have to pay, for example, a trucker might have to pay if they miss their scheduled appointment time at a grocery facility or a cold storage facility. If he doesn't pay for it right then and there that facility is probably not going to get paid. And so there is a demand for real-time payments. That's one of the use cases, one of the many use cases for our platform. So that's a little bit of why people are utilizing our system. And there really isn't such a thing as a point-of-sale system for these types of transactions prior to us. Maybe if you don't mind, walk through a couple other use cases because I just find it interesting because it's not an industry that's talked about a lot in payments, to be honest. So I'm curious, like, what are some of the other use cases, if you don't mind? Yeah. Another big one for us is heavy truck repair and towing. So you're a trucker, you break down in Minneapolis, you're using a vendor to tow your vehicle and then ultimately repair your vehicle. You don't have open to buy on your company card, even if you have a company card to be able to make that payment. So you have to have your dispatch or somebody at your company call back and forth, be the work order. And it's just a lot of workflow around their simple repair or tow. And so our platform automates all that and digitizes it. The trucker's not sitting there waiting for someone to call in a credit card or figure out a way to pay a vendor. So that's another use case. I would say the other use cases look pretty similar, like people have to keep their trucks clean and washed out. And that's another ecosystem that uses our platform. Trucks have to pay for their parking yet another use case for it. But it's all about the fact that there's just this kind of dedicated set of vendors that support trucking uniquely that need to accept a full range of payments, including those that are common to the transportation industry, like fuel cards and fleet checks. And all of those payments need to be 
recorded in a way that the driver can share those receipts with their employer. Our system sort of contemplates that and makes that all really easy for all the parties involved. What would you say differentiates your company from your competitors out there? For the most part, where we differentiate and where we're competing is against general purpose payment solutions. So we do compete regularly with a Square or Clover. The way we're differentiated is that the workflow and then even the payment methods are purpose-built for the transportation industry and kind of what's needed by the transportation industry. Also, the workflow, the way the invoices are presented, the data that's captured on the invoices, all of that is also very specific. For example, load numbers might have to be captured. Driver information has to be captured. Destination information has to be captured. And our system does all of that. The other way that we differentiate from competitors is we are payment agnostic. We actually don't require both parties to utilize our system. We work with the conventional payment methods that are already out there. And so we are not trying to create a closed loop network where everybody has to get on board to pay. We actually really want people to be able to use however they want to pay because we think it's sort of like what's happened in the consumer world. Okay, so where do you see the payments industry heading, say, in the next two to three years? And you can answer that from either the overall payments industry or more specific to your kind of solution set either way. But where do you think everything's headed? It's a couple of things. When I was at Fleet Corps, we tracked mobile payment and sort of the adoption of mobile payments forever. And, you know, B2B, I believe, follows behind consumer payments. And so once something achieves ubiquity in the consumer's life, they're going to start to expect to do this professionally as well. So I was always really keen to see what were consumers doing so that we could anticipate that on the mobile payment side. And I just thought it would take forever for businesses to start using mobile payments. And I think we're there. What the pandemic has done in terms of mobile payment adoption and the consumer space has really changed people's mindset around mobile payments and their adoption of those. You know, I think we're going to see acceleration of that and we're going to see that leak into the B2B world. And I think that's really exciting because it's something I've been waiting for as a payments professional for a long, long, long time to have happen. I think the second thing we'll see is just continued acceleration of automation. I think you're going to continue to see acceleration of the removal of paper checks and other slower payment forms. And I think this need for instant payments in the B2B world is really going to start to be achieved over the next couple of years. I don't know exactly what platform will deliver it exactly, if it's going to be sort of ACH or something else. But I think you will see more of an expectation of real-time or at least near instant payments in the B2B space. And we already see a heavy appetite for same-day ACH with our customers. We piloted push pay to debit for some of our smaller customers. That was wildly successful. I just think we're going to enter a moment where that really starts to become more integrated and prevalent in B2B payments where people no longer think it's appropriate to wait several days for a payment to clear, which basically means things like paper checks are just going to continue to deteriorate and go away. So I think it's going to be really exciting for this space. If you think about where we are today and where we're likely to be in the next two to five years, I think it's going to be a lot of innovation and a lot of better products for businesses. So do you foresee a time, I guess, where we're headed on the connected car side? Is there a connected truck initiative where You know, these truckers pull up and don't really have to do anything. It just connects to their internal system within their truck and they pay for fuel and truck washes and cleanings and all that good stuff just via an automated system. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think in some ways, the transportation industry is a little ahead of consumers and cars because it's legally mandated for truckers to have electronic log systems to log their driving time and stuff like that. So for a long time, there has been software embedded into trucks, maybe not directly embedded into trucks, but to track what drivers are doing, to track activity, to track how long they're idling, vehicle performance, a lot of that stuff's already existed. And so those solution providers are very aggressively expanding into new things that they can offer to their platform, which is sort of a hub. I think that will come to pass. I think what has to happen, though, is the vendors and the ecosystem that supports has to be ready for it as well. And so that probably starts with truck stops and fuel. But absolutely, I think the platform and the connection point already exists, which is exciting for the space. Absolutely. I didn't even think of it that way. There's already some software integrated into the trucks. You mentioned something a minute ago I want to circle back to about the company. And you said something about providing a test for your smaller customers. Obviously, very fragmented. Are most of your customers what you would consider small businesses? Or is there a good mix of small, medium, and large? We have everything from one-man shops, heavy truck repair shops, to major chains of warehouses that are publicly traded. We really expand across all those segments in a bunch of different use cases and can serve a wide variety of clients. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about you. And you've talked a little bit about your journey and some of the companies you've worked for. But if you don't mind, kind of walk us through that journey of how you became the CEO there. I started my fintech slash payments career at Capital One after I got my MBA. I worked mainly on their medical lending product, which is a point of sale financing product for discretionary medical procedures. It was a fun business that Capital One had acquired and really had a chance to learn a little bit about lending and payment solutions through the lens of a business. And so it was actually a really great place for me to start. After doing that, I wanted to do something entrepreneurial and ended up joining a company called Revolution Money, which was a Steve Case-backed company out of St. Petersburg, Florida, that was working on creating a new alternative payments network that was not interchange-based, plus a prepaid card solution. Yep, I remember it well. You do? Tough, tough time. So I joined them in 2008, which was just in time to see the stock market crash. So we were a venture-backed tech company in payments, or originally had lending capacity in payments in St. Petersburg, Florida. So it was a bit of a perfect storm, but really was able to get sort of proof of concepts into the market and able to sell that company in late 2009 to Amex. So that was really great for the business and the people that were working there. Did not want to go back to a bank. I just come out of Capital One and really didn't want to go back up to New England either. And the Amex team wanted to move folks to New York. And realized I liked being warm, but maybe not St. Petersburg, Florida. So I reconnected with another Capital One alum who was COO of Fleet Corps. And at the time, it was Bain and Summit backed. It had not IPO'd yet. I didn't really know that much about commercial payments because I'd always been in the consumer world. It was a great opportunity. That business was just a rocket ship. I think it was in like the 300 to $400 million revenue range when I joined. It was pushing $2 billion in revenue by the time I left seven years later. And I just learned so much about commercial payments, about distributing financial products into B2Bs, especially sort of blue collar B2Bs. And just a great story in terms of how they grew through acquisitions, organic growth, as well as partnerships. So I did that. I was a GM of their direct fuel card product in North America. 
and wanted to do something entrepreneurial again. After about seven years, I wasn't excited about low single digit growth, mature portfolio and love to build and grow things. And so I think I told a little bit of the story about how I ended up taking on this company, which was originally called My Lumper and wanted it to have broader aspirations. So Lumper is someone who unloads trucks. And so this original use case was just for unloading fees at warehouses. And so I took over the company and rebranded it and kind of set us on this path to broadly tackle business expenses for the trucking industry. So it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun to see how much the company has changed in the years I've been running it. And also how much I've had to change with it. Running a five-person company is wildly different than running a 90-person company. And so it's been really one of my biggest professional adventures being able to do this. Awesome. Well, what are some things you're passionate about? So maybe one personal thing and one professional thing. A professional thing that I'm very passionate about the mission that we have here to sort of improve the lives of the people that serve the trucking industry. It sounds like a minor thing, but making payments 15 to 30 minutes faster is meaningful for these folks who are behind the wheel. The typical trucker can spend between 200 and 250 days on the road. It's a hard life. You're away from your family. It's a difficult living. And these are very proud, autonomous people who are really serving and fueling a large percentage of the U.S. economy. And so serving them is something that I am very passionate about professionally. And I just think there's no reason why we can't be delivering better financial products into this industry, especially when better products already exist in a lot of other realms, especially like the consumer realm or other business segments like restaurants. So very passionate about that. Personally, I am very passionate about really supporting women and other underrepresented founders and business leaders. I think that especially as being a woman in payments and trucking, I am unusual. I know what it feels like to sort of be one of the few people to do what you've done and really just want to make sure that I'm either providing mentorship to other folks, helping them get access to capital, even potentially investing in some of these businesses. All of those things are very personally important to me. So I spend a lot of time thinking about how to reinvest in the entrepreneur community here in Atlanta, but also more specifically in founders that I think are going to have a more difficult time because they're non-traditional. Well, every July, we have the Women Leaders in Payments Month. So we've done two of those so far. I've been doing this for two years. So both Julys have been Women Leaders in Payments Month. So maybe in 2022, we should circle back and have another conversation since that's a passion of yours. I'd love to talk more details about that. Yeah, no, I would love that. That would be really fantastic. Awesome. Well, I've been in this payment space for, I don't know, 15, 16 years. And when I started, it wasn't the place that was getting all the investment. The word fintech didn't exist. And I sort of fell in the industry and haven't been able to get out of it since. But I'm curious if someone is coming right out of college and they say, hey, Robin, I want to go into payments or fintech. And I want some advice on what you think I should do to be successful. What kind of advice would you give them? Well, first of all, you are absolutely right. This has been such an interesting space over the last couple of years and has radically changed over the decade that I've been in it myself. I would recommend that people get, this is my general recommendation to anybody out of college, is to like look for really good credential building experience as your first experience. So working for a Stripe or a Square or one of the more innovative, well-known banks, I think is just a great kind of foundational experience for folks to have to be able to go into other things. And it really depends on what they're interested in. I mean, fintech comes in a lot of different forms. It's not all venture-backed fintech. 
there are other more established players that are growing and can provide great experiences and great learning as well. That's usually what I tell people to focus on is to look to get a good entry-level role in a very well-known company in the space because it's just great educational point. And from there, it's easy to get stuff at earlier stage. Those alumni usually spawn really interesting in business opportunities. And it's a great way to sort of ladder up and get broader experience as you grow. Well, Robin, we've covered a lot of ground already about you and about the company and about the industry and where it's heading. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? I know your listeners are in the space. We are always hiring. So if you're interested in product engineering or sales roles, we do hire both remote, but mainly are Atlanta-based. So definitely check us out at roadsync.com. Also, always interested in talking to other people that are doing vertical payments to get new ideas. And so I'm certainly open to that. And people can connect with me on LinkedIn. Robin, thank you so much for being on the show. I know your time is very valuable. So I really appreciate you being here. Great. No, I appreciate the time. It was really nice talking to you. You too. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com, where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well. 